Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia welcomes you to our weekly time of worship and study of God's Word with Pastor Jesse Wagoner. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because when you're here, you're home. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And you're there, and i got to get there quickly. There we are. I just want to read these first three verses. And then I'm going to skip down and read verse 6, okay? Because that's what we're going to look at today. And you recall, if you were with us last week, we've already kind of jumped into this subject of faith. And today we just want to talk about how it is defined, what it means. So faith defines what we want to look at today. And uh, look at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek, diligently seek him. Faith. We saw in the end of chapter 10 where he quotes from Habakkuk, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. The rest of chapter 11 is example after example after example after example of those who did just that, who lived by faith. So we come to this point, we've got we to frame everything. We've got to put it into context and understand what he says about faith. Now, one of the things we need to do to understand a positive, what faith is, Sometimes we need to tear down what it is not, tear down the negative concepts of faith. So I want you to look with me in a couple, three, I'm just going to say basic, three basic ideas I want to share with you and, and in this message. But it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the material that things you hope for is made. It's the, it's the constituent parts. It's the ingredients in the recipe of what we hope for. And then he makes this statement. And it's sort of a couplet, and it sounds like he's saying the same thing. Clue alert, he's really saying the same thing, just different words. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence is a powerful one. It's one that's used to describe Jesus in, in back in the, in the third verse of chapter 1 where he talks about Jesus is the full image of God. All that God is is in Jesus. He's the, he, he contains it all. And the Greek word is hypostasis. Stasis means solid. Hypo means under, like foundational. So the certainty, the foundation, the very bedrock of who we are as believers is bound up in this subject of faith. The certainty we have is, is these things that we trust in, that we believe, that he says here, that are not seen. We don't see them. We operate on faith. Number one. Faith is not truth based on how we feel. You asked 25 people in a random survey this week, are you a person of faith? I would suggest that probably the majority of them would say, well, yeah. I don't be sound like I'm a person of no faith. That doesn't sound real appetizing. And they might even tell you, well, I, have, I have optimism for the future. I'm looking forward to what's going forth. I, I think in eternity it's going to be all right. I, I have faith. But faith has to be in an object. It's in something real. Something real. Look what he says in verse 3. It is something real. By faith we understand that the worlds 
That's real, right? The worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke and they were, so that things which were not, not, things were not made of those, excuse me, things which are seen are not made of those things which are not visible. In other words, this all the stuff that we see is real is not here because it was generated out of nothing. It was generated by someone that we cannot see, but there is substance to it. There's reality to it. And one of the things that we got, we live in a world where faith is just sort of, just kind of diluted to the point that it can mean just about anything. We define God by what we think and feel rather than what he has revealed in the text of Scripture. We make God out to be all sorts of things. For instance, now this is a preview for tonight. I do want to invite you to be back tonight. I, I'm so excited to share with you from Colossians chapter 1. For those of you that were my uh, Wednesday course a while back where we talked about the beginning and the end of all things, I told you I was going to be sharing that with the whole church. It's going to be a summary of that. But if you want to know, if you want to know what the point of everything is, if you want to really know what God is really doing and where it's all going to end, just, just come back tonight, okay? I, I will share those 35 minutes and save those for later. But it's all absolutely crystal clear, distilled, exactly what God and Jesus is all about in the big picture. We're going to talk about that tonight. But it all come, comes from him. Now, there are some things that, that we, you know, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard for us to con concept, conceptualize. There are things that in our modern sensibilities that are kind of, kind of rattle us a little bit. Things like shed blood, sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Even the subject of sin sometimes is one that, oh, don't talk about sin. I mean, goodness, that sounds like you're some 18th century hellfire preacher. It's in the book. It's, just, it's, it's our big problem, you understand. And, and to talk about the wrath of God, come back tonight, the wrath of God, it's, it's all over this book. It's, it's, it was in chapter 10. We just looked at it. God is angry at sin, and he will judge sinners unless that sin is diverted and put on Christ through our faith in him. We live in a world where we, we just kind of think that, that, uh, that we, God can be anything we want. That I'll just I'll look at the things I want and ignore the things I don't want. There was once a Sunday school teacher who had a group of, of uh, uh, young girls in her class, and they were all coloring on a paper, and they were drawing pictures of the crayons, and she's going around looking, what are you drawing? And there was a, a picture of a house and a picture of a pet, and this one child was drawing something she didn't really recognize. and said, honey, what, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she says, well, well, well darling, you know, no, we don't know what God looks like. To which the little girl looks up and says, come back in five minutes and you will. It's funny for a child, but sometimes we live in a world that says, come back in five minutes, and what I feel about God is how we define God. This isn't just a feeling. I, feel, I felt like God did something. I felt like some. Now, we need, to be, we need to have a relationship with him. We need to, our emotions are part of that. But our emotions cannot be divorced from the substance of who God is. He is our faith is the substance of these things that we hope for, but there is this element of faith in, in it, and we need to understand it. Now, the context of this book, he's writing to a group of people that were facing hard times because they were followers of Jesus. Their great temptation was to say, I just want to kind of, kind of lower my profile when it comes to Jesus. I want to identify more with my Jewish roots than my Christian faith. 
I'm going to just take a step back because it's more socially and maybe politically and maybe even economically and maybe even health-wise safer for me to say something other than I'm a follower, I'm a Christ follower. We live in a day where sometimes we face that same temptation, not because someone's trying to confiscate your money or throw you in jail, but because we are a minority. You understand that? The prevailing culture in Western civilization, the prevailing culture in America, the prevailing culture in West Virginia, the prevailing culture in Charleston, West Virginia, the prevailing culture in your neighborhood is not biblical Christianity based on this book. Most people aren't going to accept that. Now we need to share Christ with them, live before them, got it, got it, got it. But we understand that. But he says, we need to live by faith. A faith that is not just framed by what we feel. And it comes back to this, the text of Scripture, what God has revealed. What he said earlier in the book, once delivered to the saints. This, this truth is, is, is foundational. The fact that, it, and it just begins with this concept of God. That's what he talks about down in verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Those who come to God must believe that he is. First, verse, first words of Scripture. In the beginning, God created. Doesn't try to explain God, doesn't try to defend God, doesn't try to say is it possible to be a God. He just says there's a God, this is, this is his, what he has to say to us. He exists, he's here. The same as in the New Testament. As John's gospel starts, in the beginning was the Word, and later he says, and the Word, Jesus, was made flesh, God's expression, God's person, was made flesh and dwelt among him. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus. It's foundational in him. So when you talk to people about faith or when we get wishy-washy faith, it has to come back to this reality. It's not what we feel, but it's connected to a person, a person and protect, and who has faithful, been faithful and who is truthful all the time. And by the way, you think about all the things that we trust, right? Uh, we trust people to do all sorts of things for us, right? Now, my meal at midday after the second service is not based on faith because I saw what was bubbling in the crock pot before I left home. And I'm looking forward to what is bubbling in the crock pot, and I appreciate my wife going to you know, all the trouble to have it bubbling in the crock pot while I'm here. And I always hesitate to talk about food because some of you are just going to leave me for the next 20 minutes. Stay with me. But if my wife had told me, and I hadn't visited the kitchen, and she said, I have this dish bubbling in the crock pot, I'm going to react the same way as if I've seen it because she's been faithful to prepare food before. It's always good. It's delicious, what I like. And she tells the truth. So I'm going to say, I'm looking forward to a good meal, even though I haven't seen it. That's faith. God says... There's this place that we call heaven. It's, a, it's, a, it's an extremely, infinitely better option than a place we call hell. And I have prepared this place for you. The thing that would keep you out of it is you've not dealt with your sin problem because I'm holy, you're not. If I bring you unholy into my presence, that detracts from my holiness. Therefore, we need to get you holy before you come into my presence. And without the sacrifice, the shedding of blood, there's no... Remission, we saw that earlier in Hebrews chapter 9. Jesus died not like the sacrifices of the old time, 
all those animals again and again. But once for all, once for all, this man laid down a sacrifice for sins and has entered into the holiest of holies. And all that waits, that promise of hope, the substance of that which we hope for, that reality of heaven which we don't see, but someone who is faithful, and by the way, it's the rest of the book, the rest of chapter 11 of Hebrews, and one who is truthful has said, I have prepared a place for you, and the way to enter that place is through Jesus Christ, my son. We act the same as if we have seen it. Because faith is the substance, the stuff, the constituent stuff of what we hope for and long for. Far different than just, I just feel really hopeful today. I have faith that everything's going to turn out all right. Because in this life, I can't guarantee anything about tomorrow. Can you guarantee anything about tomorrow? You know? I mean, we, we hope for these things, we expect them, but, but our rock-solid faith comes in Him. Number two, faith is not true. Faith is truth per, not, not produced by what we say. Faith is not truth produced by what we say. There's a, there's a, there's a subtle thing, and this is, you can flip on the TV this afternoon, you can hear somebody preaching this, okay, I guarantee you. You can find their podcast, all right? You can find their clips on Twitter, all right? Of, of people who just say, well, God loves you. He does. And God cares for you. He does. God wants you to have a great life. I, I, I can accept that. But if you can just say, Lord, I want this, that statement of my faith will produce it. It's called word of faith theology. Name it, claim it theology. In other words, if I could just gin up enough faith, Lord, by next week, I'm going to give you plenty of time, God, by next week, I want you to deposit a million dollars in my bank account. Now, question, could God do that? Absolutely. All right, he fed thousands of people out of one little boy's lunch. God has the ability. But my faith is not what produces that substance. It's not what I say produces that substance. That substance of faith, that thing that we don't see, the certainty of it, as he says in, in, in that verse, where he says the evidence or the, or the certainty of things that we do not see is not produced by me saying a magic formula. Lord, I want a million dollars in my bank. You know what? Because God may know that we may be too stupid to deal with a million dollars in our bank. We might do really stupid things if God dropped a million dollars in our bank account. And some of you are saying, oh, I wish he'd try me. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful. How many people won the lottery and hit it big and their whole life collapsed into a heap of despair? Check it out. So I'm simply saying this. Don't fall into this trap of faith. Oh, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to believe it. God's going to produce it. God is this enormously benevolent vending machine. I want A6, and the little thing turns, and the blessing just drops on you because I said it. No, it has nothing to do with, with what I say, what I produce. It all comes back to the faithfulness of a God who exists and the truthfulness of the God who speaks. Now, it's not just positive thinking. Now, I, I like positive thinking. I love being around people who think positively. I encourage you to think positively. I try to order my mind. I've shared with many of you. Think positively about this. Reframe it. That's, that's all good. That's all good. But that's not faith. 
Faith is not just, I'm going to think it's all good and it will be good. Because I think it's good, it's going to be good. I may think I may make it home to eat that bubbly stuff in the crock pot. I may have a flat tire get called away or something happens. Or the electricity went off and it didn't get fully bubbled by the time we get home. I mean, anything could happen, right? It's not just me thinking good. It's based on God's blessing coming from a person who has been faithful and a God who is utterly and completely and always truthful. That's the, that's the evidence of these things we don't see. It's not the power of positive thinking. Maybe you heard this story. A man, unfortunately, fell out of a 40-story building, fell out of the window. It's a joke, okay? Don't get too excited. And as he passed the 19th floor, there was a window open, a secretary sitting there typing. He heard as he went by, he says, so far, so good. You know the rest of the story. There are some people that have done something as ridiculous with their eternity. So far, so good. I'm not a bad person. I'm okay. It's got to turn out all right. And I'm just thinking that everything is going to be positive because I spoke it. No. Our faith has substance. It has substance. It's what we hope for, but it has substance. There's certainty, things we don't see, but certainty all goes back to the Word of God. That's what he says. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed. By the way, the word worlds... There's two Greek words that's translated worlds or world in the New Testament. One is cosmos, which sounds kind of, we, we understand that word, cosmology and the cosmos. It means all the stuff of the universe, all the planets, all the matter, all the energy, all, the, all of us, all of our stuff, okay? And then there's another Greek word, and that's the word he uses here. It's aeon, which we get the word era from or ages from. And what he's saying is, I love how, how this is so exact. Yeah, God made the worlds, the stuff of it, and he made everything that goes on in it. He, he is in control. He's involved. He's dictated its beginning. He will dictate its end. He will dictate its ultimate purpose. And we'll look at that again last, tonight again. But he, he, he states those things that we cannot see, but it comes from his word. It says in Romans... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see two, two amazing things in chapter 11. Number one, you want to be a person who lives by faith? Number one, you listen to the Word of God. Number two, you want to be a person of faith? You listen to the God who is faithful. And secondly, you walk with the people who are faithful to God. And he's going to give you a whole list starting with as he says, by, you know, by, you know, he mentions Noah, he mentions Abraham, he mentions all these great people in the Old Testament. Basically, it's just an overview, a run-through, a survey of the Old Testament. All these people who live by faith. And you think about it, they, they didn't see. He tells Noah, I probably shouldn't get ahead of myself because that's going to be later, but since I started, I'll finish a little bit. Build an ark, tell people to get on it because it's going to rain. They had never experienced rain before. And here's this apparently wacko guy running around saying, it's going to rain, get on this boat. Get on the boat, it's going to rain. But the substance was what God had said to him. The evidence was that God is faithful and God is truthful and he believed it. He acted the same whether he saw it or not. And you know the rest of the story. Correct? So it's not what we say. It's what we look at next. 
Faith is truth accepted because of God's truthfulness and faithfulness. You're probably not shocked by that statement because I probably said it six times already for you. True faith is, is, is accepting the reality that his truthfulness and faithfulness are intact. It comes from our understanding of the word of God. And he says, it comes by walking with the faithful. That's verse 2. Verse two For by it the elders obtained a, a, a good testimony, good record. Now, you think about this. There's several positives we can say. Now, we've, all, we've done some of these this morning. Pastor Adam came and led us in prayer. We all bowed our heads and we prayed along with him. And we talked to a God. We, we believe we're in the presence of a God that not one of us can see. Why do we do that? Why did we do that? Why do we believe he actually heard what we prayed and asked him for? Why do we, we get on our knees and we say, God, I'm asking you, I'm talking to you, I'm concerned about whatever it is that's on our mind. Why do we do that? Well, the evidence, the certainty of that comes from the fact that we believe in God's truthfulness and faithfulness and we act as if, the same as if that was, were seen. We act the same way. We ask him. We've come together and for a few minutes, I have the privilege, and it is certainly that, to share with you, to hopefully share with you what God has already said to take you through the scriptures. And you are there politely listening. Some of you are watching online. You're listening politely. You're taking this in. You're thinking about it. You're walking along through the scriptures with me. Why? Because you believe that these words were spoken by a God that you have never seen. By the way, verse 6, that's the way it works. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You want to please God? Believe him. Believe him when you pray. Believe him when you listen. All those great things. Now, we could also think in those moments that are a little more negative. Sometimes we fear because God has allowed some source of fear into our lives, but we can choose to believe what we don't see. I don't see that fear going away. I don't see it making sense. I maybe don't see a way of escape. I don't see a way out. I don't see a solution. I don't see a thing that looks good here. It looks all bad here, but we choose to believe that God is in control and he's going to take care of me one way or another, however he sees fit, and that in reality, I can just move forward in spite of my fears because we believe in God's truthfulness and God's faithfulness. Someone said it this way, and I wish I knew who to give credit for this quote, but it's a good one. When, just take the next step, even when you can't see the whole stairway. Where is this leading to? Where am I going to go? What's the end? What's the point? What's the purpose? Take the next step, believing that God does chart the path for us. Take the next step. Let's try another one. There are moments when we're, and this is these folks, okay, when we are tempted to compromise our faith. You know, and I understand it, you know, and I, 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 this happens all the time. There's a particular famous person, wrote a bunch of books about the Lord, was kind of a Christian celebrity, became a pastor, large church, very influential all over the media, and suddenly he comes out and says, you know what, 
I don't longer believe any of that stuff. I've asked my publishers to take the books off the market because I don't, I know, I just reject all that. And we're just like, what? I don't know as I can explain that. I, I certainly can't defend it. I don't encourage it. But God doesn't want us to get where we are thinking that we need to just forget it all because we're scared, because we're hurt, because we're dealing with trauma. He just wants us to come back to this reality. This is living by faith. This is the substance. This is the certainty. This is what the, how the elders obtained their good report. This is how the worlds were framed. The ages were framed. Because a God you cannot see spoke them into existence so that we do see. To believe him in spite of what our emotions tell us, what our senses tell us. And it's not just a blind leap of faith. You know, I don't, it makes no sense. It makes no logic. I don't see it, but I'm going to jump anyway. No, no, it's not a blind leap. But it is a leap into the depth and the sea of God's faithfulness and the universe of God's truthfulness. That's where we're located. That's where we go. That's where we stand. Now, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. We want to please him. We want to be people of faith. Now, if the people who don't know the Lord or not certain about this, listen carefully. And listen carefully so you can share this on their behalf. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Awareness, understanding, you have to know that he is. And then secondly, there has to be this acquire him, acquiring him. Giving mental assent to his truth. Making it true for yourself. You know, a few years ago, I was going to a conference in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm sitting on a plane at Yeager Airport. We're going to fly to Atlanta, switch planes, go to Jacksonville. And we're on the plane. We're, you know, we're in the plane. Doors, you know, everything's loaded. Doors are closed, and we're, you know, going down the, getting ready to line up for the runway. And the pilot clicks on. I've never seen the pilot. I assume there's one up there because the plane's moving, okay? He, I assume he's up there, but he clicks on his microphone. says, welcome to, you know, to, to today, and he makes his little speech. Thank you for flying for our airline. We're glad you're with us today. We're going to be departing in just a minute for, and it was about that long a pause. And you could just feel everybody in the plane are thinking, if he doesn't know where we're going, we are in big trouble. And finally he gets back, uh, Atlanta, and it just everybody through the whole through the cabin just sort of broke out in laughter, all right? And then I get to thinking, I'm trusting the well-being of my little body here to somebody I've never seen. I've never seen his pilot's license. I've never seen the documentation of the FAA about the, the, the suitability of this aircraft. I've not seen the flight plan. I've not to the air, talked to the air traffic controllers. I just believe that that guy up there knows where we're going and knows how to get us there. No one demanded at that moment to get off the plane, including me. We just laughed and off we went. I'm still here. You know the rest of the story. But I thought, you know, there are people who put more faith in the person running the bus or driving the bus or flying the plane than the God who spoke everything into existence by his powerful word. He says, believe me. Believe me. I am faithful. Believe me. I am truthful. And he simply says this, if you, if, you, if, you have to, if you come to God, you must believe that he is, and you have to seek him, and that seeking will take you to one place and one person, and that is the cross, and that is Jesus Christ. If you need help taking that step of faith, we'd love to have a conversation with you.
answer your questions, pray with you, help you process this. We're not gonna, there's no gotcha, there's no catch. There's no you know, fine print. We just want you to know Jesus. But if you need him, you gotta believe that he is and know that he's a reward. What kind of reward are you gonna get? How about an eternity in heaven and a better life now? Anyone wanna sign up for that? rewarder of those who seek him. Let us help you if you need that. Believer, in those scary points of life, in those moments when we're tempted to compromise, when we don't understand, the just, the righteous, shall live by faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence, the certainty of things not seen. The elders obtained a good, good record by this. And go back to this, faithfulness and truthfulness. By faith, we understand that the worlds that were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. Faith. Live by it. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and study brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. If you are in the Charleston area, we would love for you to worship with us in person. For service times and more information, visit our website, calvarywv.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.